Our sermon passage today is found in Exodus 31. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And he gave to Moses, when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. Amen. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, this morning, we, your people, cry out this. We need your grace. Not only do we need your grace and not only do we need your help, but we cry out that our help comes from you. So Lord, we're asking that you would meet with us, that you would speak to us, that you would teach us, that you would reshape us, that you where needed would give us joy and hope, that you where needed would bring us to conviction and repentance, that you would stir in us to be like you, to glorify you and to honor you. So Lord, we ask now for your help and we ask it in Jesus' name. All right, friends, it is so good to see you all this morning. If you haven't done so already, please take your Bibles and turn over to the book of Exodus chapter 31, uh, where Emmy just read for us. Here at Redeemer, we are working our way through the book of Exodus, and we are working our way through a section in the book of Exodus that, that spanned... Um, about six chapters. It began in chapter 24, and it moves to the passage that we are in this morning. And what's been happening in those chapters is Moses has been on a mountain meeting with God. Particularly, God has been giving to Moses exact expectations and exact details of how to build his dwelling place among his people. And this passage this morning ends this section. What we've seen is that God will meet with his people. God will dwell among his people. God will meet regularly with his people and he will engage with his people. And so the section ends with verse 18. God gives to Moses... Two tablets of the testimony written, it says, in the finger of God. So, so now you have this people Israel that God has redeemed, he's saved, he's brought out of slavery in Egypt, and he's given them his covenant, he's given them his word, he's given them his law. 
and he wants them to know him and he wants him to, them to know who he is in such a way that, that he literally spoke his commandments to them in his voice. And now he's written them in his finger. So the, the, the huge takeaway here is that this God who saves is a God who dwells among his people. And so we get this section, verses 12 through 17 this morning, that we're going to look at. Um, that perhaps feel a bit out of place. Hey, we're going to build the tabernacle. Remember the Sabbath. We're going to build a dwelling place. Don't forget the Sabbath. So we have to wrestle with what's going on and why is this the compelling reality that the Lord's putting before his people. So today's sermon is entitled, Resting in Christ. Resting in Christ. Now, as we've been working through these realities, um, we have to first start and say, what was God speaking to Israel before we ask the question, what do we take away from this passage? I, I, I tend to believe that, that often we modern Christians are so fascinated with the question of application. We're so fixated on the question of what do I do that we forget to, to pause and say, but what is God even teaching? Because until we understand what he's teaching, it's going to be really challenging to figure out what do we do. So this morning I want us to start with what is the Lord teaching? Now, I just wonder when you saw the word rest in the sermon title, how many of you just exhaled for a minute and thought, oh, that would be nice? Anybody? I have one kid who's honest, who also happens to be my kid. Okay, I'm trying to recover from that. You know, friends, I think the spirit of this passage is very timely and important for us. I mean, you know, we've sung since the 80s, I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun, right? I don't think the issue is that life's no fun. I think it's that, that life is like a boa constrictor squeezing life out of us. We're so busy that our hobbies require energy and time to prepare to do them. I just, and often when we as pastors start talking about busyness and stress and struggle and absence of rest, what we offer you is some self-help book on how to make better habits or how to find extra days in in your week. But I don't think that's the issue. I don't think the issue is our productivity. I don't think the issue is how much we work. I don't think the issue is exactly what we do on Saturday or exactly what we do on Sunday. I think the issue is this. Is there space in our life to focus upon and reflect upon the Lord and his goodness and his grace and his mercy and be renewed in him? 
Because the testimony of the scripture is a Father's Day with your feet up doing whatever you want to is good, but it will be gone tomorrow. And all the men, like that should have gotten an amen, like, yeah, my day. But the greater question is, where in our days and in our weeks is there space to think about, to look toward and pursue the Lord who has pursued us? And I think that's the beginning of this passage because what the Lord is effectively saying to Israel in this passage is, I'm going to give you a weekly schedule that puts me in the center. I'm not going to trust you to find the space. I'm going to make the space for you. I'm not going to trust you to make wise choices. I'm just going to tell you this is what we do. As the Lord is shaping his unique and holy people, he's likewise shaping a unique and holy schedule that will shape the people. And so perhaps before we get to the text, our biggest takeaway should be this. Our habits shape our loves and our desires and our hearts. So how are our habits driving us to the Lord? And, and, and he's going to give to his people one very clear version of that. So the first point, if you want to take notes, is unique schedule. Unique schedule. God is giving, and I'm using the word unique as a synonym for set apart, as a synonym for holy, as a synonym for Unto the Lord, like the Lord is saying throughout the book of Exodus, I'm making you my unique people, my set apart people for my purposes. And that's all the, the churchy word holy means is set apart for God's purposes. And what he says here is, I'm going to give you a weekly schedule that puts me, your Lord, at the center of it. So what is at the heart of this passage is Sabbath. We see that particularly in verse 15. So the Lord's going to call for the Sabbath in verses 12, 13, and 14. He's going to define the Sabbath in verse 15. And then in verses 16 and 17, he's going to call for the Sabbath again. So what is this Sabbath that God is calling for. Look at verse 15. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Now, I hope that the last phrase there caused your ears to perk up a little bit and go, oh, God's not playing around here. This is serious. And it is. So Sabbath 
is a word that literally means to cease or to rest. So God is saying that in Israel, the people that he has saved from Egypt and formed, the people that he chose millennia before to represent him in the world, for them, their weekly rhythm, their weekly schedule will be shaped like this. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day will be set apart. And I, and I love this phrasing, is a Sabbath of solemn rest, comma, holy meaning devoted, set apart, set apart to the Lord. So I want you to hear this. With this Sabbath principle, God's not calling for naps. He's calling for worship. He's not calling for um, recovery days, as they would say in the workout community. He's calling for intentional pursuit of God. Yes, the rest is there. Yes, potentially napping is there. Yes, recovery is there. Actually, the passage is going to tell us that the Lord cares about people. Jesus is going to make that very clear. But the principle is a weekly rhythm of intentional focus upon the Lord, intentional remembrance of his covenant with his people, intentional pursuit of the Lord. And so then verses 13 through 14 and verses 16 through 17 help us understand exactly what God means by solemn rest and holy unto the Lord. So let's start in verses 12 through 14. The Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generation, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. So what is this Sabbath according to verses to verse 13? It's a sign. A sign of what? A sign between God and his people that testifies to the people that it's God who makes them unique. It's God who has set them apart. It's God who works for them. It's God who provides for them. It's God who keeps his word to them. The Lord has given the Sabbath to Israel as an ongoing sign of his faithfulness to Israel and an ongoing telling of Israel's dependence upon him. Every week you rest and worship, or perhaps we should say rest in worship for a day as a remembrance and a reorienting toward the Lord, his power, his grace, his mercy, his provision, and his love for his people. I've given you this as 
a sign. Now, in our modern world, rest is an evil thing. And we're like, why would God want that? We'll get to that in a few minutes. But let's put this in context. In an agrarian world, where your provision comes off the sweat of your back, here's God saying, cease from work one-seventh of the year, and I will still provide for you. Cease from effort once every week, and I'm still going to provide for you, and it's that day off when you remember that it's the Lord who's for you. It's the Lord who is your Lord. It's the Lord who has delivered you. It's the Lord who is moving in you. That lands totally differently, doesn't it? Verse 16 and 17, they tell us more about Sabbath. Therefore, verse 16, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath. Observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. So for Israel, remember this section of Exodus is about defining God's covenant relationship with Israel. He's put this Sabbath as a part of as a sign of the covenant. It's a sign of Israel's relationship to the Lord. It's a sign that they are not like all the other peoples. It's a sign that they are unique and that the Lord is committed to them as his people. Verse 17, it's a sign forever between me and the people of Israel. That in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So what these verses show to us is that God has given this Sabbath cycle, this Sabbath schedule to his people as a sign of the covenant. And he reminds them that this pattern is actually rooted in the story of creation because God created everything in six days and on the seventh he rested on the seventh he enjoyed the perfection of his creation he enjoyed all that he had made so here's the principle God is giving to his people a schedule, a weekly rhythm that keeps the Lord and his power central among his people. That keeps the Lord and his provision central among his people. And keeps the the people's dependence upon the Lord central among his people. That's what's intended to be communicated on every Sabbath. Now you might say, okay, good. So why is that right here in Exodus 31? It was already in the Ten Commandments. Why is it here? 
right here, God is giving instructions for building a tabernacle. What would happen in the tabernacle? God would be worshipped there. God would meet with his people there. You see, the placement of Sabbath in the teaching of tabernacle is to remind the people what the Sabbath is for. It's a rest to run to God. It's a rest to be renewed in the Lord. Going to tabernacle took physical energy. All those sacrifices and all that preparation, that took energy. I don't think God is so focused on the energy. He's focused on the relationship of his people to and toward him. So the Lord has graciously and mercifully given this Sabbath principle to his people. Okay. Now, Jamie, what do we do with this? How do we think about and live these truths? This comes to our our second point. Christ and Sabbath. Christ and Sabbath. I wish I had about three weeks for this one The New Testament is filled with teaching on Sabbath. So since I can't do it all, let me just give you some assignments. Matthew 11 and 12. Colossians 2. Hebrews 4. Take up and read. We'll we'll touch on some of these. But how do we think about these Truths. Well, this would be the simplest way to think about these truths. Well, let's just be Exodus 31 people. That might be simplest, but simplest doesn't always square with what Jesus taught us in the New Testament. So let's go a little further. Remember, Sabbath is a sign of a covenant between God and Israel and between God and his people. And when we come to the New Testament, we're told that the nature of the covenant looks Different because we approach God in Christ. We've kind of said it this way that everything in Exodus ultimately points toward Jesus, who's like we take Passover in Exodus and that points to Jesus as our Passover lamb, right? We take all these realities in the book of Exodus and they all point us to Jesus. Do you know what? Sabbath points us to Jesus too. Because what Jesus said is, I'm your Sabbath. I'm your Sabbath. And unless you think I'm just playing preacher games, take your Bible and turn over to Matthew chapter 11. 
and I do know what time it is, and I will be late, and let's just settle that, okay? I think it's really important that we get our minds around this together. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Actually, let's go back to verse 27. This is Jesus talking. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We love that passage here at Redeemer. I quote it all the time. Jesus is saying, I'm your ultimate rest. I'm your ultimate deliverance. I'm your ultimate freedom and passage to know God. Come to me. The rest is in me. But then notice what happens in the story, verse 12. Jesus goes out and does work on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees are incensed. Jesus says in verse 6, I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. What? Jesus is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus is not just trying to make a legal point. He's not trying to win an argument with the Pharisees. What he's trying to say is that which the Sabbath was to prepare you for, to find the joy of covenant relationship with God is ultimately fulfilled in me. I'm your Sabbath. We rest in God by running to Jesus. We rest in God by running to Jesus. Therefore, therefore, the ritual, rhythmic language of Exodus 31 doesn't sit on us as Christ followers the way that it sat upon Israel. It was the terms of the covenant that God had with Israel. Israel, it does not shape the terms of the covenant that we have in the Lord. I give to you one more verse, Colossians 2, verses 16 and 17. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. 
These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So what's being said is Sabbath is shadow. Jesus is the reality. So the principle, root yourself in the Lord, is met for us in root yourself in Christ. Therefore, let's try to get really tangible here. Let's get really tangible for just a couple minutes. Therefore, the major takeaway is I need Christ. I need Christ. We need Christ. Take all the days off that you want. Build in all the rhythms of rest that you want. Find that crazy four-hour work week that that one dude promises you, and you still will be weary and tired and broken and empty until you find Christ. In Christ is life. In Christ is forgiveness. In Christ is grace. In Christ is peace. In Christ is hope. And Physical rest is intended to say, I need something more than this life offers me. I need Christ. Number two, we who have Christ should stop trying to be satisfied in things other than Christ. We, we live like he's not enough. We live like he doesn't actually bear fruit in us. And number three, we have spiritual freedom from the weight of the law given in Exodus 31. But that doesn't mean that the Sabbath is not good for us. I would argue that learning the art of Sabbath is actually a gift for our souls and for our lives. I can't help but think that this is what Jesus meant in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, when he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You see, like we need this rest. We need this rhythm of focusing upon and running to the Lord. So let's not be so quick to go, oh, we're free from Exodus 31. Rather, let's be quick to say, I and we need to find the rhythm of running to the Lord together and being reminded of our rest that comes from him and that this world is not our home. Now, listen, friends, we're already doing this weekly. Let's keep doing that. And then let's ask the question, how do I in my life need to shape and form and structure and be intentional where the grace of the Lord is ever before me? And I am forced to remember that I need the Lord and what he offers me more than anything that this world could ever provide. Okay, well, where do I start? We start by praying and asking the Lord for wisdom. 
we start by asking ourselves this, how often do I think of the Lord and his word and his grace and his mercy and his peace because I need to find those places and run to him there. I've heard stories of very godly men turning their commute into Sabbath. I've heard stories of very godly people saying, if Exodus 31 worked then, it could work now, and I'm making Sunday into a Sabbath. If that's where the Lord leads you, that's cool. I don't think that the Bible says you have to go there. Our labors and our efforts are nothing more usually than a testament of our conviction that we have to make our own way. So let's find a space to take our foot off the accelerator, to take our foot off performance, and pause physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually Maybe not pause spiritually, pause physically and mentally and emotionally so that spiritually we can look to and lean into the Lord. That's the invitation that the Sabbath principle offers to us. And I'm just here to say, friends, we need it. And you know you need it. Start somewhere. Make an effort. Talk about it. Because Sabbath is a gift from a covenant God to renew and restore and meet with his people for his glory. I realize that this sermon may leave you with lots of practical questions, and I'm okay with that. Let's take them to the Lord, and let's do that together. So our Father and our God, we pray now that your words which you have spoken would come to us and teach us and shape us and guide us. Help us, O God, to run to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.